0: Be disruptive, have fun, be valuable, and give zero fucks what the haters think about you.
1: Rob, thanks so much for having me uh, on your set. It's feel like I've been here before since I've watched so many um, episodes of you guys in here. And um, amazing to have you on the podcast. Podcast that was heavily inspired by you. Um, A lot about money, business, entrepreneurship. Um, many put the people around me to just just learn a little bit more. I know that's a, a huge thing for you, is teaching people like financial education. Um, so that's what you've done for me. I've learned so much about money from you and your content. So amazing to have you on the show. Um, I've got to say one thing though, you're like, whenever I think of you, I, I, call, you, I call you like the content king because you do, you produce so much. So I wanted to ask you, like, what's your, what's your day like? How do you produce so much?
0: I uh, get up at 5.15. Go and get a four-shot Costa coffee. Snort it through my nose. (laughs) And uh, I get on it for at least two and a half hours before the the world wakes up. As soon as the world wakes up, your email's busy. Kids are running in the house. There's distractions everywhere. But if you get an hour or two to yourself before the world wakes up, you'll be surprised how much work you can do. Um, That, for me, is really important. I work every day every day. Don't want a day off, not interested in a day off, bored of any day off. Why would I want a day off? I love what I do. So why would I want a day off? Mm -hmm. All right, maybe Sundays I'll do a bit less work. Um, And I'm very routine. So I wrote a book called Routine Equals Results, which mapped out um, how someone can essentially model what I've done, which is probably get 20 hours worth of work done in four hours. Um, So at 15 minute intervals all through the day, everything I do is scheduled, and I've tested what goes in the morning, what goes at lunch, what goes in the afternoon. I never take lunch, I always work through lunch. Um, Three three o'clock in the afternoon, my energy drops a bit, so I normally keep that a little bit free. Um, Also with content, the trick is repurposing. Mm So. We're in my studio you've come in we've got three cameras there yeah. so sometimes we go live we're not live because it's your show if it was my show we'd be live and if we were live we'd have live then video then audio we could get it transcribed for a blog and we could cut all the shorts and the shorts could go on stories TikToks, instagram youtube facebook linkedin so i've built um as you know i'm in, into property and we've got three buildings here and all my staff just used to be helping us with our property business and i nicked this room, that room, and that room, and turned it into my um, agency, where we've got a team now who help cut up all the content into loads of bits. Yeah. So I actually only do about ninety minutes content a day. People think I live on social media. I only do about ninety minutes a day.
1: Yeah. Well, but saying that, yeah, it does feel like that because okay, repurposing is one thing. Then I see you like do a lot of lives every then day. The Time, Clubhouse came, the time uh, Clubhouse came really popular. Every day. I would see you on there like all day. Every day. Late. I'll go to bed, wake up, you would be on there. Every day, <laughs> okay.
0: every day, it's yeah.
1: What, what, what drives you? Why are you like so, what, just what drives you to be on there so much and produce so much?
0: Um, I love business, I love money. Um, I like proving people wrong.
1: Mm.
0: I was the fattest kid in my school age, 11 to 14. I fucking hated every minute of it. I got ostracized and um, pushed out of social and sports circles. And it built this massive hole in my soul where I wanted to prove to them that actually I, I was, you know, worth the looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that still drives me now, actually. And that was 30 years ago, and it still drives me. Um, after I made my 10th million, so I made my first million aged 30, 31, my 10th million age 35, I then realised, well, I want more money, but, you know... That or 20 million is probably enough. And then after that, so age 35, seven or eight years ago, then it became about helping as many people as possible on the planet. And yeah. now I just want to help millions, even billions of people get better financial education.
1: Yeah. Well, so would you say that thing that being chubby as a kid?
0: Is just no, sh- no, 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 I was fat, oh, not chubby. Thank you. Thank you for like, right, you know, on. being nice with my feelings. Yeah, I was yeah. the fattest kid in school, yeah. So if, you, if,
1: so if you didn't have that, you think there's the potential that you wouldn't be where you are today?
0: Well, if I didn't have pain or shame or embarrassment or self-loathing, I might be more comfortable. And if I was more comfortable, I wouldn't want a desire to be great. Yeah. So for 30 years nearly of my life, I hated myself for all that. But actually the great thing about business is it taught me to leverage it tap into it use yeah. it because you use it or it uses you and for 30 years it was using me and then i somehow figured how to use it which was to take that energy and that pain and put it down a path of a journey that was meaningful that i could turn into results yeah
1: yeah i did not ask that because I mean, I think like what age, like 28, 29, or maybe a little bit before that, but you was in debt, right? Like 50K in debt. Mm. What, what age was that? 28, 29?
0: Bit, bit younger, yeah, 26, 27, yeah.
1: So then that's still like adult life. So what was the difference between you before that and then that deciding factor where, okay, I'm now gonna go and do what you did and become a millionaire? And what was the, what was the change in factor when I mean, you you as an adult, you you still...
0: Yeah, and my dad had a nervous breakdown in his pub. So he'd raised me to be an entrepreneur. He got me working age six. I yeah. like working more than going to school, yeah. age six, 10. And then, um, you know, you get into school and you have to do your exams and then you have to apply for university and um, you get interested in girls and you get interested in going out. And th- that life, which I felt almost pressure to go down, was straightjacketing me this is why i'm massive on financial education because mm-hmm. if you want to be if you want to be a business person an entrepreneur or you just want to be a millionaire in whatever vocation you're probably making it harder and worse in the school system right now yeah. if you want to be a doctor a dentist or a lawyer crack on get your seven-year degree be an apprentice for another three years build a hundred grand's worth of debt and then maybe in 20 years you'll earn a hundred grand and you'll pay it all off Fuck that um but they don't really teach proper entrepreneurial skills, selling, money management, money mindset in mm-hmm. in school. So I was a I was just stuck through the school system, and then there's this, my dad in my ear going, "Get into property, you know, start your own business." From like literally age six,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, and I was torn. And then I got into debt because I was in the school system, I had to pay for uni, had to pay for my accommodation and all of that, because that's what society tells you to do.
1: But at this time, you think you still had the traits of the entrepreneur?
0: Yeah, but it was suppressed. It was suppressed. In me, yeah. like, you, you can't use your entrepreneurial traits in your exams. Well, actually, mm. you can. You can cheat and then you get disqualified. <laughs> but actually, if right. you're smarter than me, I should be nicking your French off you and we yeah, partner yeah, up yeah. and you can nick a bit of my geography and we'll, we'll JV. <laughs> so school penalises you where the world rewards you. So. so Not in all instances, but in many instances, it's actually drumming entrepreneurship out of you. But yeah, on December the 15th, 2005, my dad had a massive nervous breakdown in his pub in front of all of his customers. I was working in the pub. I hated it. I was earning virtually no money. My mum and dad knew I didn't want to be there. Um, And then seeing him getting beaten up by the police and sectioned and arrested in front of us and all the customers seeing it in the pub, that was like... I hated myself so much, I felt like I had nothing to Like, when you get to a point when you hate yourself so much, in some ways, that's actually quite liberating because you don't give a fuck anymore.
1: It's got to make change. It couldn't have got
0: any worse. I yeah. couldn't hate hated myself anymore. Um, so I was like, fuck it. I'll go to this property networking event. Fuck it, I'll start a business. Mm. Fuck it, I'll get on the phone and sell because I couldn't have hated myself anymore. And actually that, in a way, I wish I'd have got there when I was 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So then did you feel like the traits from there just started coming out or did you feel like you had to really develop them? I'm sure you had to do both, but was you surprised at the skills you had when you started?
0: I knew nothing about sales, I knew nothing about marketing, I knew nothing about public speaking, I knew nothing about property, like nothing, 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 nothing. And I learned all of them in one year, in two thousand. Well, two years, 2006 and 2007, but most of them in 2006, because I was fucking hungry and in a lot of self-loathing.
1: Did you have a plan?
0: Um, work harder than everyone else, get up earlier than everyone else, stay late than everyone else, be the last one in, um, the first one in, work out what other people couldn't do and learn it. So, you know, you're a footballer and you don't want 11 strikers, you don't want 11 goalkeepers. Um, And people think when they start, well, I've got no value because I'm not as talented as that person, don't have the experience of that person. But actually, you can find out what they lack and then you can double down in that area. Um, you know, I remember, I think Jose Mourinho was, from what I remember, the first person to really develop that defensive midfielder. And it was almost like a, a niche that was created. And that was what I kind of did. My business partner couldn't do sales or marketing. This so is thought, me, by the way. Sorry? sorry? This yeah, is yeah. me, by the way. Literally. Yeah. yeah. Great. Right. Perfect. So <laughs> there you go. Um, so I figured out what other people couldn't do. And I learned it. Yeah. So I found... My niche, even though I was quite new. So public speaking, sales, and marketing. My boss, my business partner, they didn't want to do it. They weren't interested in it. Mm-hmm. They didn't like it. I didn't like it because I didn't like rejection. But I fucking went and learned it and did it anyway.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask so In terms of like speaking in front of camera and doing all the lives, do you like doing that? What? Speaking on camera, like putting the phone up, speaking to camera.
0: I learned to like it. So I like. So
1: right now, you like it. Well,
0: I like making money. Yeah. I like having a big brand. I like making a difference to a lot of people. Um, I like feeling important, you know, and getting respect. I like all of those things. And so doing content helps that. I actually didn't, like, I never woke up one day and go, yeah, I want to do Facebook Lives. Yeah, that sounds exciting. I I, I didn't sound exciting at all. Uh,
1: But some people actually live it. Like, they they feel so attached to, like, I don't know, maybe their audience where they have to go on and speak. But, I mean, there's other people that push themselves to, like if I, when I start doing content, I'm going to have to start doing proper content, like how you do it, I'll tell you about the thing that I'm saying, um, but I'll have to push myself to do it. Like,
0: yeah, I had to push myself to yeah. do it. All, all social media is not natural to me. And um, like I always, whenever a platform comes out, I look at it and go, what the fuck is that? Why would I want to do that? Yeah. Like when Instagram came out, why would I want to fucking do a selfie like that? What a twat. Because remember, there's a lot of self-loathing in me initially. Yeah, yeah. TikTok, why would I want to dance like an idiot and look like a twat? And there's a lot of that in me first, but... What I've learned to do now is go, okay, so what's the opportunity? Mm. Can it help me grow? Yeah. Can it help me reach people? So I'll go on a platform I don't like if it helps me reach and impact, impact people. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So then moving on. So you already did that. You started figuring out um, to do the things that people didn't want to do. But other than that, you didn't have like, this crazy strategy of I need to do this and hit this and hit this. It was just like really raw. I need to do the, find the things that people don't want to do. I had no strategy yeah, for years. Yeah, you had years. no strategy. No, 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 like, oh, no, okay, cool. no. I
0: mean, they say you need a vision and you need a strategy and you need a business plan. I became a millionaire having none of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just went, you know, where's the opportunity? How can I add value that other people haven't got? And how can I outwork everyone?
1: Yeah.
0: Th- that was my initial mentality. I'm a bit more about leverage now. I've written a book called Life Leverage, as you know. So I'm a bit more about thinking smart and working smart, not just working hard.
1: Yeah, but when, when did that start kicking in? When did it go from working hard to, okay, now I've got a bit of a strategy?
0: There was a point a few million in where I was so fucking busy that um, I was either at breaking point or a lot of the things that I were doing were low-value tasks. Right. So any entrepreneur will get to the point where you'll get some level of success, you'll get really busy, you'll make good money, but that money that you make will bring a load of admin mm-hmm. and a, a load of... Um, tactical shit you've got to do then that'll hold you back from what got you successful in the first place and then if you get good there'll be loads of demands and everyone will want a piece of you and you'll you'll end up so overwhelmed Uh, so I would say that was about three or four years in for me where I was just, I had so much to do. I couldn't differentiate between what I should say yes to and what I should say no mm-hmm. to, and what was a 10 grand an hour task and what was a 10 pound an hour task. And that's why I wrote the book Life Leverage. Like, if you can't go away on holiday, away from your business for a month, it, it, it's too reliant on you. Yeah. Um, so I actually booked a trip to Cayman for a month intentionally in about six months. And I knew at that time, my, my staff weren't ready to run the company without me. It would probably be running to the ground. Everything was revolved around me. Oh, by the way, I quite liked it as well. Quite like being a top dog right. and everyone, everyone come to me. So I, there yeah. was an ego issue. There was just a full amount of work issue. There was my staff that weren't leveled up issue. But if you make yourself go away for a month and back then, I stroke people were not so attached to their phones. So you'd go away for a month and you wouldn't check your email, so you wouldn't check your social media, you just go away. Yeah, yeah. And, and we booked it in. And I remember those six months leading up to that, I did a load of systemization, created a load of documentation. You did this purposely to, yeah. to figure out whether yeah. it can run with you. Or, yeah.
1: yeah. And you mean you should be able to go away for a month and just you not physically be in there or literally go away for a month, phone off, don't even need to touch your phone. Well,
0: stage one is you can go away for a month and you don't need to be in the office in the company stage two is you go away for a month you turn the phone off
1: right so you could do that now
0: yeah i mean i could do that i'd have to get harry a month's worth of content in the bank and we're nearly there yeah so you'd probably need to give me a month to plan it i'd need to double down on the content give harry a month's worth of content my md can definitely run this business without me that that's fine so i'll probably I could do it today, but Harry would be pissed with me, because yeah. he'd be like, Rob, I'm going to have to just repurpose some content on the last
1: week. Yeah, yeah, got you, yeah. got you. And then, um, so what was what I was mean, it? I have 144 staff, okay, 100
0: cool. and something in this office and 44 outsourcers. So I've got a lot of resource. Yeah. Um, so if I can't go away, I, even ha- I either haven't trained them to do their job or they're not fucking doing their job. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And then what, what was the turning point for you? Where did you really start making your money? Was it in through property?
0: Um, yeah, property, uh, property single-handedly made me a million. It was only property that did. I wasn't doing um, training courses. We have the UK's largest property training company, Progressive Property. I didn't even have that. Um, what kind one, of property was you doing? Um, well, we bought a load of um, local buy-to-lets. Yeah. So two and three bed flats and houses. We were buying them for 35 to 70 grand in 2008. And they're now worth 150 to 250 grand now. And yeah. they're going to drop a bit. And then I'm going to go and buy a load more. And then after the family homes, we went into multi-lets. We started buying offices, police stations, pubs, and converting them into multi-lets. And we've just finished a 99 apartment development block and a 42 apartment development block. So we sort of went from single to multi to apartment blocks.
1: You did it fairly quickly, didn't you, within a few years? I mean, what's quick? It, it, it. Like, pro- property, like, that's quick, isn't it? For a few, a couple yeah. of years? I mean what property is normally slow
0: yeah well, yeah what um accelerated my journey was borrowing other people's money and doing joint yeah. ventures with people and you know a lot of people think you need deposits to buy property you you do, but just not yours. Yeah. Why does it have to be yeah. yours yeah yeah I mean if, if everyone in your club and in your division see you as the go-to guy in property, they're going to chuck money at you mm. yeah, yeah yeah and um and then the your guys can have about 18,000 photos <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> it's like, so he's as just getting his money's as worth. As long as it's
1: the hourly, the hourly rate. I don't yeah mind to okay. <laughs> And um, I mean,
0: You can do what you want I'm just playing. <laughs> and
1: um, did the training company, is that
0: what came next? It went um, sourcing for ourselves, buying our own properties, then sourcing for right. other people and then the training business and then all the books and the business training company and all that after.
1: Yeah and then did that become the main source of income for you guys? drove <laughs> your wealth the training company It's probably fairly equal. Um,
0: our best year in the training company was twenty one million this year, be a bit less, but not far off. I told you before the cameras yeah and that's gross, not net, and that net can vary from five percent to forty yeah. percent um, depending on what's going on in the world and where we're at in our journey and then property well Mark was sending me through the figures today. Um, our rent roll is—I will show you. Um, Mark. Mark, Mark's my business partner. So, um, two point seven million a month. Our rent roll is on mm. our on our properties. That's gross. I don't know. what I don't actually know. Is that
1: what, is that is that all over the UK?
0: No, no, no. All just in Peterborough it, around. Just the, here. Yeah. Um, is there a reason for that? Why you so stay here? Just cause cause you actually, the revenue on the rent is higher than the training company. That that um yeah, but.
1: How how come you just stay in Peterborough? Why would you you not go elsewhere?
0: Because the further you go, the more difficult the properties are to manage. Yeah. And people, people chase things. They chase the best deals. They chase easy. Um, They want the shortcuts. Um, Someone told them that it's great. Go up north. It's easier up north. Mm -hmm. Well, um, how long did it take you to get here on the train? five hours there you go so imagine having one property here and then one property where you are and then one property five hours away in a triangle and then trying to manage those you spend your fucking life on the train and by the way when you start the train fare you just paid might wipe out a month's rent Mm. so when they're all clustered and local you can buy better than anyone else buy cheaper than anyone else, you know the price is better than anyone else there's no travel costs there's no admin costs the management and the maintenance is much easier
1: but how, how often do you actually need to go to these properties
0: i never go that's
1: what i mean so Had one up north, why but, you no, but when you
0: start, you've got to build a relationship with the agents, the relationships right. with the refurb teams, you've got to get it running. You, you know, I don't now because I've got a whole managing company in there,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so talking about property, so, and obviously, you, you train people in property, what's the the virus right now? What, what you're teaching them has a lot changed? It seems like we're in like real tricky times in terms of property. Well, define tricky.
0: Tricky for someone might be an opportunity for someone, for someone else. So, yeah.
1: I like tricky times. Well, ch- different.
0: I like different times. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it's when everyone's doing property, it's harder. Mm. When everyone's running away from property, it's easier. Observe the masses do the opposite. Yeah. So, uh, as we speak right now, depending on when this is published, the market is just softening and possibly dropping. But just like a roller coaster that's at the top, about to choo, when it goes, it'll probably go quite fast because it normally does. It has in the last two recessions. Um, the thing with people though is they wait for the perfect time, mm-hmm. and if you wait for the perfect time, you'll wake up one day and you'll be 65 and you'd have missed three fucking recessions and three fucking great buying opportunities. Yeah. So you have to be ready. When you, the opportunity comes, when it wants, not when you're ready. So what people should do is educate themselves, read books, go on courses and get the knowledge now and go and see some estate agents. And all right, it might be a bit expensive now, it might be a bit expensive for three to six months, but at least you're getting known. And then when price is correct, you go
1: straight in. Mm. Well you what, so right now what is it just a thing where you just look out for opportunities knowing that some things are changing. Times are getting times are different. Well, I I'm always I'm always buying. Yeah.
0: Um and if I don't like the market, I drop my offer. So, yeah. you know, imagine you're an agent. And I said to you, oh, I'm not buying, you know, for a year or two, it's a bad time. You're basically like, right, fuck off, Rob. I'm gonna go call someone else.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. and you're
0: gonna turn your back on me, as you should.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, whereas if I say, look, Kev, any good deals, just send them my way. Rain, nor sh- no matter what's going on, you always send me good it's deals. It's about the deal, isn't it? does like, yeah. not matter about the time. And exactly, and then if you start sending me stuff, and I don't like it because I don't like the market. I'm not going to say, no, nah, I'm not buying Kev. I'm going to say, Kev, I don't like these prices. Come on. Yeah. They don't seem right. Can we do a deal here? Can we speak to the vendor? Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to try and work with you. And if I don't, if I can't get the returns because the interest rates are going up and the mortgages are high, I need to drop the price. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because if, if it's a bad time and someone comes and gives you a 500 grand house for 200 grand, you can, it's you're It's not gonna a take, bad time. It's a good you're time. Take yeah. It, you? yeah. Yeah, that no, makes sense. But um, what about things you just like the scale of all of that, the interest rates? Is that, has that affected you at all? Your properties? Well, um, quite a lot
0: of our big developments are on fixed rate. We've got a 12-year fix on our... um, Would you you always advise fixed? No, not always. I mean, for the last 12 years, you'd have way overpaid on a fix because the interest rates have been so low. Right now, here's the thing. There's a lot of context there. This answer, you need to do your research. I'm not going to be able to go into the detail that you might...
1: Yeah.
0: You've got to be very careful not to give flippant advice. But Mm -hmm. in theory, if you get a fixed rate mortgage... You think it's safer, but the safety is factored into the price. So right now, and it will change, interest rate's 3%, but a fixed rate mortgage is 6%. So you're paying 3% over variable rate for the insurance of it being a fixed. So you might go, holy shit, that doubles my mortgage payments. I don't want to get a fixed. I want to get a variable because my mortgage payment will be half. But then what if interest rates go to 10 Mm So you've got to factor all this in Um, and you need to speak to a broker and get professional advice at the time. But um, most people don't understand this because they only know the year they're born in. But um, the average interest rates are about five to six percent. And this last 12 years of less than half a percent, it's not fucking normal. And people have got used to it. And now, I mean, 3% is not high interest. 6% is actually not high interest, which is what current interest rates and what fixed rates are, although they've dropped a bit now. So because people have got the context completely wrong because the last 12 years interest rates have been artificially suppressed to stop 2008 becoming the biggest recession ever. But because that's been held and held and held, rates are probably going to go up. So the good thing about rates going up is if rates go up and mortgages get really high, what's going to have to happen to prices? Go down. They're going to have to come down. Because if, you're, if a mortgage that you were going to pay £500 a month on last year is now £900 a month. That's not affordable to most people, and you can't make your money on the margin of the rent because it's not enough above. So the only way to get the mortgage down is to offer the price lower, so you buy for less, so the repayments are less. So actually, on the one hand, as mortgages go up through interest rate rises, that's a problem for your repayments, but it's good for your purchase price. Mm
1: Do you feel like your your predictions with everything in terms of like the market and everything like this interest rates the more experience you get are more accurate or are you still just kind of like you can't really predict anything
0: um yeah i think they've got more accurate yeah. i am not a um i'm not a prophecy but many of the things i've said
1: have been right yeah you feel if, like you can make solid decisions with not much uncertainty, or there's always gonna be uncertainty but you feel like the uncertainty is just a lot less than maybe five, 10 years ago. I think if you figure out how to buy in any market
0: cycle, it don't really matter. Mm. So um, in the early days, I had a billionaire um, who gave me some mentoring called Andreas Paniotto. And he said to me, Rob, you can buy in any part of the cycle, you can buy any time. When the market's going up, you need to add value. And when the market's going down, you need to buy below value. So I just took that at face value because he was worth a lot more money than me. So when the market's going up, I'm looking to add value, convert. And when the market's going down, I'll I'll drop the price. Um, One thing I was wrong with, because I like to admit my mistakes, to learn from them, is when lockdown happened, I thought it might um, drop the prices of property, but it didn't. It actually increased them. And one was, looking back, it's obvious why, because there was just no properties for sale. So there was um, undersupply and when you have more demand than supply, prices go up and vice versa. But here's the thing you can't predict. You can predict what will happen because in the end, you know markets go up, markets go down and emotions go up and emotions go down. But what you can't predict, the reason you can't predict when is because something might happen, but then the government will react or the central banks will react differently to what you plan. So for example, when Liz Trust came in, who could have factored in how she planned her budget and then who could have factored in how the world got against her on that budget. So it's not what's happening now, it's how markets and people respond to what's happening and the measures they put in place. So for example, no one would have predicted interest rates would be half a percent or less for 12 years, but that was put in place to control the recession.
1: Yeah. What, What kind of measures do you take to just be ready for anything? Is there um, certain things you do i remember I, I i I remember a while back you mentioning um you and your partner saying "Oh, you must have we we both must have a certain amount of money in the bank at all times. I remember you saying that once is there more is that true now, and is there more things that you do like that? so the first thing to be ready
0: is to believe in yourself okay. and to Be prepared as much as you can to the point where you can make a decision without having to need to do a load of fucking research at the time. Because if you have to do a load of research or educate yourself at the time, it's too fucking late. Mm -hmm. Because when the markets go down, they go down quick. Yeah. Definitely liquidity is important. And, Kevin, liquidity and cash are really different. I'd like everyone to stop and listen to this because people think that they need cash. They don't. They need liquidity. Cash is how much money you have in the bank, liquidity is the amount of money you could access if you needed it. Yeah,
1: I wanted to speak you about this.
0: So yes, I did used to say, Kev, years ago, you know, I'd want X amount of living costs or X amount of burn rate of my company overhead in the bank. But you know when people say in the bank, that's a general term. I actually don't want much money in the banks now because inflation is really high and I don't trust the banks. So I want enough money, cash liquid money, I want, to, I want two years. So whether it's my personal living expenses or this company's operating overhead, I want two years. Yeah. When, I mean, Bill Gates at the height of Microsoft when it was the best company in the world, he got to two years. Mm-hmm. So if you can get your own personal finances or your company finance where you didn't have a single penny of revenue or income or earnings and you can burn your current overhead... And lifestyle for two years you can ride out any recession because by the way if you had to you could halve your overhead we could all spend a bit less <clears throat> i could you yeah. know take some of the overhead off the business so i might have five years yeah so that gives you agility liquidity and it means when it's time to buy you can buy yeah. because you've got access to liquidity because like i bought 30 properties maybe in 0809 If I could have bought 130 or 530, I could have, would have, should have because the market was so good then. But, you know, we were just starting out. That was what we could access. But I didn't have any of that money. So let's say I bought 30 properties at 100 grand each, you know, let's say 3 million quid. I didn't have any of that money. My liquidity was my business partner and his family. So you need more liquidity than cash. The more cash you have, the more it's getting wiped out by inflation. Liquidity is who have I got on my WhatsApp? Who have I got my black book? Who do i know who's in my network have i got good credit have i got a line of credit with this bank and that bank and that bank that's liquidity and liquidity is far more powerful than cash because most people don't have millions or billions in cash
1: yeah and i know you well you mentioned there having access to money but in terms of things that you can actually like buy that's quite liquid what what things would you you recommend
0: um do you mean
1: store your money that you can sell to get access to them or things to buy um, to store your money so things that 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 you could access m- okay, money within right. uh, I don't know a month would cool. you say would you say a month is liquid um yeah i would say that's relatively liquid
0: i mean there's much more liquid i mean the most liquid is cash it's because cash, you, yeah. you just pull it out of your pocket but that's getting hit the worst by inflation because at yeah. least even in the savings account at least you get 3% on that so i would say your isa right, so at the moment, you get 20 grand a year, allowable, tax-free savings and investments. I wouldn't do a savings ISA because savings is low and shit, and I don't like the banks. Um, don't hate all of them. The ones that have lent me tens of millions, I like them. <laughs> um, but if you put your ISA into the FTSE 100 or the S&P 500, you can get that out in three days.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's, if you don't get it out... You're locking and rolling up the profits tax-free. So your ISA is one that's liquid. Gold. Gold is very liquid. Um, you can go down to various resellers and you'll get the, the current value today and they'll pay you and some of them, you know, might even pay you in cash. So yeah. gold is very liquid. Uh, watches, still relics, Daytonas, you get rid of them in a week for probably not much less than they're worth. So they're very liquid. Um, Bitcoin is quite liquid, if you know how to have a wallet and move your money around. But the problem with stuff that's volatile is if you need to sell and it's liquid, but you're in the wrong point in the market, you could crystallise a big loss. Yeah. So for me, with, if I'm putting money in Bitcoin, I'm, I'm leaving it there for a fucking long time. Gold, gold's a defensive strategy, which does well when currency does badly. Um, And that's really a way for you to have protection in your wealth. So gold is liquid. Ice is liquid. Savings are liquid. Most cryptos are liquid. Property is not liquid. Businesses are not liquid. They're the ones you don't want to get stuck in. Because the reason property goes down so much is because it's so illiquid that when it starts to drop, people can't sell it quick enough. Yeah. And so they have to drop it and drop it and drop it and drop it. Whereas um, if I'm thinking, shit, gold's going down a bit, I can sell it today. Mm-hmm. So generally, illiquid assets can get hit hard on a downturn.
1: Yeah. yeah. So in terms of property, would you always? what's your thoughts on like smaller deals in comparison to bigger deals?
0: I think it's great to start in smaller deals. Because yeah, all right, the upside might be lower, but the downside risk is lower. People should focus more on protecting the downside risk than they are dreaming about the upside fantasy. Right. So it's great thing to start in small flats or houses because you can make a lot of money in property when it goes right, but you can lose a lot of money when it goes wrong. If so many developers go bust when all their money's into their biggest development, and then the market turns by 30% and they're illiquid and they have to sell, so. I mean I'm bored of small small deals now but that's only because I do big deals but I did small deals for many years.
1: But Still now though are the downsides for you still the same?
0: Well for me to be interested in doing small deals I'd have to do a hundred of them at a time Yeah. because we just did a hundred apartment block where we got a hundred small deals in one big deal and getting a hundred small deals is like rounding up a hundred fucking cats it's just impossible. And
1: yeah.
0: when I've seen people sell portfolios, the problem with portfolios, because in a way it's nice, oh, I'll buy a portfolio 30, but in a portfolio 30, there'll be a load of shit deals in there that you won't want and you get the portfolio you would end up getting rid of a load of... Like if... I love watches. I buy a lot of watches. And if someone had their whole collection and they wanted to sell me, well, I wouldn't be interested in most of them. I'd only be interested in three or four of them. Mm-hmm. So buying por- portfolios never really works. Um, but, I mean, look... You want to go up through the system, so you want to start with single lets local, then you want to go to multi lets, and then you want to go to commercial and um conversions. And even if like you, even
1: if you had the money to to start off. Well, the larger. problem is
0: a lot of money is fucking dangerous in the yeah. wrong hands. So if you've got no knowledge and a lot of money, you're a prime target. Mm. <laughs> so the more money you've got. At, with the less experience you've got the more important it is if you to get with in someone. at the start
1: or if you jv'd with someone that has the knowledge
0: yeah you could jv with someone who's got the knowledge for sure but you know make sure that you protect your money you've got a first yeah. charge and um yeah you could do that the thing with partnerships in property is my company has probably helped put together the most partnerships in property in this whole country i've seen thousands of jv's and i've seen some go well and some do and many go wrong Mm -hmm. and the ones that go wrong are the ones that get in too fast don't do the proper diligence and research don't differentiate roles and responsibilities have unrealistic expectations and don't have enough security on their money
1: yeah and do do you normally is it more chance you see in the bad ones and the good ones well, Which do you see more I with? mean,
0: you, you hear the most about the really bad ones yeah, that go yeah, yeah. wrong because bad news travels a lot more than good news. But I hear a lot of the good ones too. But look, the bad ones are the ones you learn from. Yeah. So um, it, <clears throat> any mistakes are gifts because you get your greatest lessons from mistakes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do, you ever, do you ever sell or do you always plan on holding the property that you buy?
0: Um, my favourite strategy is buy, hold, die. So I'll tell you what I have, I had a 23 apartment block. It was a police station, we con- converted into 23 apartments. Yeah, we sold all 23 apartments. Let's say we made 30 grand an apartment. Back in what, 09, 2010, not bad. 30 grand clear per apartment, 30 times 23. You're not even at a million. Mm-hmm. And then you pay your tax. And then I split it half with my business partner. So I, you might have netted 300, 350 out of that. My fucking Lamborghini's more than that. So it's like, that's not going anywhere. Th- those 23 flats now, they would be 250 grand a piece. Yeah. So this development I've just done, the 99 apartments, it's about 20 million quid. In 12 years to 15, it'll be 40 million quid. 12 to 15 after that, it'll be 80 million quid. 12 to 15 out of of that, it'll be 160 million quid. And every month in all those years, you get the income. Yeah. So no, I I mean, I want the income more than the capital. The thing with income is you can work a bit more tax down. um, But when you get capital lumps, they take a lot of tax off it straight away.
1: Yeah. You said, well, you said... What was he said? Buy, hold, buy, buy hold, die. hold, die. So, what would you do your properties when you die?
0: Because I'm still quite young. I mean, I know I'm older than you, <laughs> but I'm, I'm still quite young. I, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be handing a load of my money to my kids. I mean, I haven't had yeah, the conversation. Yeah, it's interesting. This. I haven't had the conversation with them yet. But uh, the greatest gift I can give them is teaching them how yeah. to be entrepreneurs, and actually giving people a load of money without the knowledge of how to handle it could be a a grave curse yeah and i know more and more people now are not just giving their wealth to their kids um so you know i could have 1500 2000 5000 properties by the time i die i don't know i mean we've got 1250 tenants now i'm not yet old enough to think what i'm going to do with it but um, i definitely would like to feed some of the assets back through the community I, i might get my kids some access to it if they're involved in managing it and I might stage the release of it over time Mm -hmm. um yeah but if you give them too much they don't they won't want to work
1: yeah I think on this one I've changed my views on it a lot where it's like at first it would be like yeah of course you'd give all your wealth down to your kids then it's like no why would you because Imagine if your dad was really wealthy and gave you everything. Would you be the guy you, you, you're you at today? No, no. You wouldn't have learned all the things you had to learn. If if people who haven't earned money
0: get given a load of money, they become entitled and lazy. Yeah. They waste the money because they haven't learned how haven't to learned invest it. it. And then as that money goes down over time, and then they start getting self-loathing and, and fear and anxiety, but they haven't been given the skills to manage that money, it becomes a massive curse. It happens in nearly all instances. How many lottery winners have you heard who won 10 million and they've turned it into 50 million because they invested it into assets that grew 6% a year compounded? None. None. How many people who've won 10, 50, 100 million have got less than when they started? Loads it is a curse to give a load of money without teaching the person how to manage it and how to make it
1: how, how do you separate your wealth from your kids like and give them that suffering that they need have you thought about that when you mean separate the wealth what do you mean so for your kids to be able to earn and learn about money and go through pain and maybe like a bit of scarcity in terms of like money but then again you're wealthy so then they don't have that
0: yeah, it's difficult because my wife didn't get much at Christmas and birthdays, so she fucking lavishes out <laughs> on the kids. Like, I just managed to have a chat with my wife. I thought you going to say it on herself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She spends more on the kids than she does on herself. Yeah. Um, but I just managed to have a discussion with my wife whereby maybe we could use the PlayStation 5 as a bait to get my son to earn and work and learn with the reward of the PlayStation 5 because it's something he wants. And that would have been a great lever to use to give my son a good education. She said, I've just bought it for him for fucking Christmas. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but, you know, my wife's my wife and she wants to lavish on them, you know.
1: Yeah, I've definitely Uh, uh, realised with like mums, especially for boys, for some reason as well, they do like to make their life as easy as possible. Well, I'm the opposite, I'm like, no, like, I need to make it hard for them.
0: Yeah, you're right. You do need, you need to put your children through enough challenge so that they become strong. And I'm fully aware of the paradox that, you know, my son was seven years old and he wouldn't eat anything but fucking sushi. And I'm like, what have I raised? What have I done? I have failed already as a parent. And honestly, he's, he's like, he has to fill his steak. He's, he's 11, fill his steak. And I'm, like, I've got my kids working in here from time to time and I, I do try and put them through a bit of challenge. Yeah. But that's a difficult one because my wife loves them and she wants to, she's not, she doesn't spoil them, but they've got a comfortable life. Yeah, I'm going to have to figure that out a bit more. They need some hardship. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, because you love them. And I mean look.
1: But some... I, I I don't I don't I don't think I'd find it tough and I don't find it tough now applying that onto them, giving them hardship. I think it's tough to figure out the strategy of how you're gonna do it.
0: Yeah, I suppose it depends on what you like. If you don't like conflict and you didn't have a loving parental upbringing yourself, you're not gonna wanna put conflict on your kids and you're gonna wanna repair the damage you perceived your parents made on you. Yeah. So that's what you do. So if you did grow up with hardship, then you probably would want to bring that onto your children. And if you don't mind conflict, that's fine. Um, So it very much depends on who you are. Okay, so how do you do it? You put your children in situations whereby you make it really hard for them to succeed, but possible for them to succeed. Mm -hmm. And the way they succeed is by being enterprising and entrepreneurial. And then when they do it, you fucking reward them big time for the goal or the outcome.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know you, you speak about the, the education system a lot and that bad, based on how fucked it is. Do you, Your kids go to school? Yeah. Would they go to private school? Yeah. Would you think, have you ever thought about homeschooling? Yeah. How, how come you? you well, decided um, against it?
0: Well, when I sit down and look at my wife and the word homeschooling pops into my brain and then if I said it, I know she'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, but my wife wouldn't... She, she's not going to do it. She, no. My wife thinks that the the social and being with all the other kids element is really important. And she thinks in the school that we've put them through, the best private school around here, teaches them really good things. Yeah. And and I do all the work and she spends a lot of the money. And that, that's the deal, by the way. That's not me bitching about my wife yeah, because yeah, yeah. Look, looking after... I, for me, looking after the kids full time would be harder than running
1: oh, a Nick. billion pound. Yeah, empire. I lose my head after a couple of hours. Isn't yeah,
0: I? yeah. So it's not me disrespecting my wife in any way, but she lives in a different world. And yeah. I, I made this decision, Kev. When it comes to business and entrepreneurship, I'm taking the lead. I'm going out there. I'm doing 16 hours a day or whatever it takes. And I'm going to make the executive decisions. And then with the kids, I really trust her. She's got great value. She's a kind-hearted person. And I decided many years ago, if, if there's an argument, she's got the trump card with the kids. If there's an argument, I've got the trump cards with the business. And I, that actually works. So am I making some sacrifices on how I may raise them if it were just me? Yeah, but she's raising them while I'm building the empire. So, yeah, yeah. so I would consider homeschooling and i teach them just to watch all my content online (laughs) i'll be like right eight hours watching my facebook lives and shut the fuck up till you finish them all um but i i do it's it's not the panacea and all upside to homeschool your kids you could end up damaging them in other ways and there's not there's not decades worth of proof on what homeschooling does to your kids. Yeah, yeah. It's just a
1: modern way. Yeah. But I think, so, I, I get the social thing, and my missus brings it up a lot as well, but I think how many kids are fucked socially anyways that have been going to school for years? The, 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 a lot of them are still socially really awkward. They still don't know how to read a room. They still don't know how to speak to people. So I think that's something I'd be willing to, to risk. Yeah. As, as opposed to all the other downsides that you get from school. Yeah, and maybe you could do social things through game football, yeah. other group things as well. But I, know, I, I even notice now when, when I take my kids just a play group, they come back so different. They're just like way more emotional. They're just less patient with their emotions. It's just like mm. there's always something wrong with them when they come back from, from yeah, school.
0: Yeah, but you were talking about you'd have no problem putting them in hardship. You need to chuck them in those situations to experience that hardship to learn how to handle it.
1: Yeah, but I, I think just the first like seven, eight years is what I'm worried about. When they're so... What are you worried about? Putting them into, into too much hardship when they're
0: that young. But that's when um, most of their personality is formed by age seven or eight. That's their formative years.
1: Yeah. I mean, in terms of just, like, uh, like information that they've taken, like, I don't know what they're saying to them when they're at school.
0: No. No. I mean, like I impact my children probably fourth. So first would be school. Yeah. Because they're at school more than they're with my wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second is my wife. Third is media. Yeah. Fourth is me. That's the that's the cold hard reality. And that makes me shiver a bit. But
1: But do you think your 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 yours weighs heavier on them though? Because you're just the dad, how they view you. I think it does.
0: Yeah, maybe. They're definitely interested in what I do. They definitely like what I do. Um the fact that I do content on social media as well. Um because they they see my content when they're scrolling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if I was going hardcore on how I wanted to raise my kids to be entrepreneurial and resilient and tough and enterprising and relentless, probably 60 70% of what they're being exposed to I probably don't like. Mm. But unfortunately, what happens in life is you have this naive fantasy of how it will be. Like, when I get a missus, she's going to do this and this and this and this and this. And you go into this naive one-sided mode of exactly how it will be. And yeah. every parent does that before they have kids. And as you know, when you have them, they just fuck shit up on a yeah, daily yeah. basis. Bro, I'm
1: never giving my kids dummies. Exactly. They, anyway, bro, like, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> you can take that. Yeah. Never giving them iPads. There's yeah. the fucking <laughs> iPad. Yeah. So you have to make sacrifices. So I think what you've got to do is think, what are my non-negotiables? Yeah. Like for me, it had to be private school. Now, some yeah. people are going to judge me, but private school for me is about giving them the best chance to be around the best people. But it's yeah. also about if I can afford private school and I don't send my kids to private school, I can afford it and I'm depriving them of something I could afford. So for me, that, a non-negotiable was private school, mm. uh, the best one as yeah. well. They go to Andor, it's the fucking best one. Now, that's a, you know, in, in, in a way, I'd like to do homeschooling and I'd like to get them learning fractional reserve banking, economics, the monetary system, yeah. you know, inflation, depreciation, all of this stuff. Um, but a good meet in the middle is a really good private school. And, and you've got to think about what's important to you. I think if I could change one thing, less media and more me. I'd be happy being third on the list, because I can't compete with eight hours a day at school. Yeah. But I can't, but media is, but my wife's pretty good like that. She doesn't let them consume too much shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was a, that's a worry for me, just not being in control, especially the first like seven years. But the thing is, here's the thing with kids.
0: Your purpose raising your kids is not to instill your values on them and make them what you want them to be, which is what nearly all parents think is their job as a parent, that is mm. not your job. Your job is to negotiate with your child and your husband or wife, the three of you, so that your child becomes the best version of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can drive for you to want your kid to be a certain way. But if your kid is with your wife seven hours and you won, that's all going out the window because she's going to be her. So... Raising a child is about allowing them to be themselves. And you've got a fight going on because you want them to be X. Your wife or husband wants them to be Y and they want to be Z. And actually, you've got to find some algebra merge in the middle. Yeah. So in that instance, you've got to have some things which are like an absolute non-negotiable. And then you've got to have things which you let go.
1: Yeah.
0: I let shit go every day. Actually, do you know what? My life's a lot better when I let shit go. You know, I think mastery in life is knowing what to fight for and knowing what to let go. And most of us are fighting for shit that isn't important and letting go of shit that is. We're getting it
1: confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, what, what's, your, what's your wife's involvement in like, business? She spending, having involved? She's good spending. at spending the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On more <what>, marketing? And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: No, that's investing. <laughs> Um, no, that's not true. My wife is a brilliant sounding board. And if I've got anything going on in the business, I can just lay it out. She actually worked in the business for many years. She's got a pretty good understanding in the business. And she's a shareholder in some of the companies. So I'm being flippant. She also, you know, fuck me the amount of money she spends on Amazon. Fucking hell, Amazon. Honestly, there's 17 packages a day coming. Some of yeah, them are like yeah, as yeah. tall as me. I'm like, what the fuck have you bought? Um, But... She's a brilliant sounding board for anything I need to go wow I'm pretty pretty good at handling my emotions here and in public. Pretty good. I've learned that over the years. But every now and again at home, I need to go, for fuck's sake, wow. And she's yeah. really good at that. Um, my wife is really good with people and kindness and considering others. So if I've been a bit belligerent or if I've been a bit tunnel vision or been a bit bold or... She's good at checking me, like with the yeah, Chris yeah. Eubank interview that went out. She said, "You should take that down." And I went, "Well, why?" She said, "Because um, it's the kind thing to do." We never took it down, but <laughs> um, but so she looks at it like that. Um, as because far as of, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, it's the agents the agents managing him
1: because of high it, for it, him it, you it, mean.
0: his family and his agent should be looking after. Chris, it's not
1: my fucking job. Right, but at you, least she's giving you that side of things, right? Yeah, right?
0: she made me think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and actually, my wife's a good. If I'm on the fence and I'm having a moral, ethical, like issue, because there are some things in morally and ethically that are right on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my wife, my wife's a really good gauge there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She and if we've got like Harry, just wants the wildest guest ever on our show. Um, He calls it no retreat no surrender um whereas if i'm on the fence i'll normally go to my wife and she'll normally like if she says no don't do it it's probably wise
1: yeah but did she come on board like when things started getting hectic or did you have her in from the beginning
0: Um, no she met me um months in so i didn't have anything other than you know
1: yeah but i mean did she get involved in the business stuff from the beginning Pretty much. My, yeah, I'm asking because my, my missus isn't that involved, but I literally sat down with her and I was like, look, look, I need, you need to start doing some stuff, I need something help." we just like general things and work Well, mate, how much do you like sex? On am scared of one to ten? Yeah. An eight.
0: Right, then don't get her involved in your business. Why is that? Because you'll get less. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but I'd, I'd take that trade off if it means- Fucking <laughs> hell!
0: Alright, If it so, means
1: if it means things got a lot better and easier for me, then I'll take that trade off. Wow. Okay. Now, respect. Are you not? The, are, are you not the same? No. If I if I if I said to you uh, if I said to you, you you can have this amazing guest, your dream guest, or sex three times a week this week. what one are you going to pick?
0: Three times a week's like fucking KFC bones left in the bucket. <laughs> what, three times a week. <laughs> What's that? Um, Right.
1: Oh, how however many you wanted in that week, or this amazing guest, or this new property door, You're gonna. I know what one you're choosing.
0: Just for the week.
1: All right. As long as you, All right. Six months.
0: Five. Six. I'll take my wife. Which one? I'll take. Six months, mate. Dry. Holy shit. No, not
1: dry. It's not dry, but it's not. It's just not that regular. Oh, I'm surprised you took this long. To be fair. You surprised it.
0: No. No, he, no. We we talk about this. the time harry and i we we, we, harry and i know our prices are minimum prices to do things like how much would you have to be paid to xyz C? right right because harry's head producer but he's he also um doubles up as my driver on all the tours so we've talked about this all the time harry knows stuff about me that i'm not saying here on this podcast (laughs) sorry mate but i'm not saying it um so i have a very high sex drive and it's i think linked to business i think it's linked to the drive of business and entrepreneurship i think there's some crossover there between the two so if you deprive me of intimacy connection and sex on that level i think it would swing over and my drive i it would hurt me in business so I, I, how so because if if i go more than two days without it it's it's like in those vampire films when they've just got infected and everything starts to go weird but they're not quite a vampire right if i go like four or five days i'm i'm in full vampire eating other human beings mode
1: <laughs> but how okay so how does that affect the business
0: well i've just turned into a a, a loon
1: Give me a scenario, how, how, how would it be? Let's say if I came in, in today and you hadn't had it for however long, how, how would it be different? How would you be different?
0: I'd be more aggressive, um, give, give less fucks what people think, probably more rude, more blunt, really? they'd be self-loathing. Sure, really. I'd be like, well, what's going on in my life? Why? Have I lost it? What's going on? I'd, I'd probably want to fuck this stool. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd be distracted. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to focus properly.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, so your question is not the oh, normal. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, that's... but how about we go back to yours and just move the heat
1: <laughs> uh, over that way? I, I, um, I, I wouldn't like to, but I honestly think I could go a very, very long time.
0: Well, then... As long
1: as I was occupied with work, business. Yeah. I could.
0: All right, so my wife had been with me not even months and um my company started to grow quite well she got in at the start and she was she was actually a small developer and then when the recession came it they actually essentially her and her family had to close that business and i employed her whole family so she came in and did the accounts her mum was in accounts and her dad would do a load of our refurbs i mean her mum and dad had other bits but you know they came in and worked in the business which i'm really grateful for because i gave them opportunities And Gemma went up through the ranks and she went from accounts into events and heading events. But it fucking nearly broke our relationship, mate. Serious. It nearly broke it because I was her boss in the company. So I would ask her to do things and she'd fucking hate it. And she would Mm. hold all that in. And then at home, she would never mean to do it because she's not like that. But then that dynamic would shift and reverse at home. And, um, you know, we would argue over work at home so then it would affect our our evenings by the way it wasn't all bad but yeah yeah. but it was five years of building it up um and I always used to take what she'd say about my company as criticism she didn't find a way to word it that I didn't take it that way and I didn't I didn't wasn't able to go oh you're just giving feedback Whereas if she worked in someone else's company and said something, I'd just be fine with yeah, it. Yeah. So yeah, our intimacy and our relationship and therefore our sex life, um, because linking back, got really affected. And it, it didn't break us and we got through it and I'm really proud of that and it's made us stronger, but it fucking rocked it. And I've decided now that our, our partnership is infinitely better if she does what she wants and she wants to raise the children. Mm -hmm. Now, if she'd have wanted to set up her own company without me, I'd have embraced that. And if she wanted to stay in the company, would really wanted that, I'd have embraced it. But yeah, working with her was, I would warn anyone about working full time with their um, wife or husband or partner. If sex and intimacy is really high, Mm. important to you. And I'm not taking the piss here. I really would. Some people, they only need it once or twice a week or a month, so it doesn't really affect them. Some people, they have a, a quite friendship-based relationship. But I'm the sort of guy, I get in at the end of the day, I want a massive cuddle. When I cuddle her, I'm grabbing her ass. I can't even look at her without turning it into something. When she's <laughs> fucking doing the cooking and the dishes, I'm like, ah, <laughs> and I'm an animal. And so that, that, when that was not there, it was really confusing for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a really cool insight. <laughs>
0: Well, let me know what you decide, but um, you know, if you're serious about your relationship, you should think very seriously about yeah. not I I don't, mean, he- I don't mean
1: heavily, because she's, she's, not, she's not that interested in, in business. So what happens when heavily. she
0: does something and it's wrong or you don't like it, or it's not done to your exacting standards?
1: Yeah, I get frustrated.
0: Yeah. And then you're probably not going to talk to her properly and she's going to be more sensitive to that. And then your three days ain't getting it, it's turned into three months. And you're coming back down this studio on the train shagging my stool. <laughs> because that's what's happened to you. So, I mean, if you want to work with your partner, you've got to learn how to articulate problems to them so well that they want to fix the problem, but they don't get triggered yeah, by you. Yeah, I don't
1: mean that. I mean more like that, just admin. Admin and a little... But why get her to do it? Why not just get an admin yeah. person to do it? Yeah. Yeah, mate. Do you know why? Because sometimes, I, know, I know obviously raising the kids is really tough. And it's like, I, I go football, then I come back and I work and I do it, the, And then she obviously see, do the kids, raise the kids and then do everything, which is tough. And then they go to play group and then like, she might just watch TV. And while she's having her, her break, I'm thinking, why is she watching TV? She could just be doing this for me. That's why.
0: So her very small amount of breaks while the kids are yeah, off. You want same, to hammer yeah. in and get her earning money for you. Te- do you ever put your feet up ever? Does no. she trying to get you to do an admin while you're putting your feet up? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, literally. She is no, but that is it. So work.
1: I'm always I'm kids? never. I'm never resting. No. No. I'm hardly ever resting. No. No. If, if we, if I, if I do rest, it's more to a her. or it's just yeah. to have that time together. Like I'm watching TV. I do want to watch TV and be, to be with her yeah. and have that chill time with her, but I don't actually want to watch TV. No. So it is to appe- appease her and obviously to mm. fire relationships. Does she do a
0: good job with the kids?
1: Yeah. really good job.
0: Well, then I would personally be preserving that at all costs. Uh, yeah. yeah. I would. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Makes sense. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, king of um, quick fire rounds. I'm going to give you a quick fire. Let's do it. <laughs> so wrap this up on um, First one. Can and should everyone be an, an entrepreneur?
0: Anyone can if
1: they want it bad
0: enough. Not everyone should because they don't want it bad enough.
1: That was well revised. <laughs> just a quick one. Do you think a lot of people that are really good employees and really push for a company and they're working constantly, constantly should just be entrepreneurs? No. No.
0: No. For me, there's employee mentality, intrapreneur mentality, and entrepreneur mentality employee mentality is I quite like having security and I don't mind being told what to do as long as I like my work. Entrepreneur yeah. mentality is I want to push for more and I want to be more like an entrepreneur but I'm not prepared to take the risk and set up on my own. You have to treat me a bit more like a leader. I will take some orders but I want my own projects within the enterprise. So Harry's a bit like that because Harry, he's got... Um, commissions on a lot of the revenue we make. He's got choice on guests. He does the full edit. He, he, I don't have, he has full editorial control.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't tell him what to do with anything about edits. We share ideas. Because if I started micromanaging in him on how to do his editing, he might be like, well, I don't want that. Yeah, so yeah, I'd yeah. see Harry as an entrepreneur. He comes on the show sometimes, etc. Yeah. And then the entrepreneur is, like, I, I come up in a rash when someone tells me what to do. Like that is my natural reaction, yeah. and I've actually had to learn to manage that. I'm prepared to take the risk because the rewards are uh, there's no ceiling on my rewards. I want the excitement. I don't mind the challenges and the difficulties. So, employee, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. There's a different mentality for each, and the employee should not be an entrepreneur. And not actually, a lot—not not
1: even if you could flick the switch in his head and be like, "Fuck, it, I'm going to take the risk." But
0: by definition of their mentality, they, they don't take the risk.
1: Can they be persuaded to take the risk?
0: Well, what? Why should anyone do something that someone else is trying to persuade them to do?
1: Because they know it's, it's better for them.
0: Yeah, but is it though, or is mm. it that you want to do it? Do you, yeah. do you, I want to help everyone, but I will tell you what, I've stopped doing trying to help people who don't want my help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fucking waste of time.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Are you? Are you? Could would you ever think? Do you ever worry about H hey, becoming the entrepreneur and leaving? Um,
0: yes and no. So if someone's done a good innings for me and then they go on and do their own thing and that's their dream, I am not getting in their way and Mm. I'm just proud of what I had with them. Yeah. Um, If I fuck up and they leave, I take that responsible myself and I try and fix that. But if someone comes in here and learns everything and nicks it all and takes the piss and then tries to go and fucking set up, they've got a fight on. Yeah. I'm not having that <laughs> so it depends how they do it um, now a lot of people what they do is they go oh Rob the cars the houses the money the freedom you come in to the office at twelve thirty in the afternoon I want that yeah yeah and sometimes I'm involved in the dialogue when people are thinking about leaving and if I can sense they haven't got what it takes to be an entrepreneur I'll fucking warn them mm-hmm. Because actually, if you haven't got what it takes to be an entrepreneur or you're not prepared to do what it takes and you quit, you could put your career back 10 years. What are they? Give Give us them quick. Okay, well, you've got to have a risk threshold which is higher than everyone you know. You've got to be prepared to barely get your mortgage covered. Fucking recycle clothes for your kids. You've got to work double the hours. You've got to take all the responsibility on yourself. You can't hide behind anyone you got to man you got to manage everything you got to take all the you got to deal with the complaints all the stuff in a company you don't have to deal with you have to deal with now you have to do the selling and the marketing you have to build a brand you have to put yourself out there and a lot of people they they just can't do it because it's just not them and i know some people that say well anyone could be an entrepreneur in theory if all the qualities were ticked they could but that person hasn't got those qualities yes. So actually sometimes, because by the way, Tim Cook is an employee and he makes fucking millions out of Apple. Mm-hmm. So if you want to make a load of money or have a great career, stop looking at someone else who's an entrepreneur and thinking it's easier. Yeah. Embrace who you are and go and become second in command to the owner yeah. and find a company that's really, really big and going places. And you can be make, Terry Leahy, who... Um, ended up becoming number one guy at Tesco. He started stacking the shelves and he worked yeah. all the way up. What, what was it about you that made you not take that route? Because I fucking hated being told what to do, shit I didn't want to do by people who I didn't respect, yeah. number one. And number two, I didn't want to be held back. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll review that in a year. No, we won't do that for now, no, we're not gonna do that. I didn't, and mm-hmm. I tried it. I tried it two or three times, I the last five fucking minutes got yeah. fired more times than I got employed. <laughs> waste of my time
1: (laughs) cool um out of all the people you interviewed who amazed you the most who had the biggest effect on you
0: john domartini you've had
1: had some really sick people
0: dr john domartini has opened my mind to the world and how it really works the most like every upside has a downside every downside has an upside yeah everything exists in in a paradox um the one who the maddest was david ike that's why we went for a second one yeah and the most recent interesting one was andrew tate
1: with
0: do? that he's a fucking good salesman, and
1: I'm I'm surprised how we got so good at everything so quickly. We didn't. How do you mean?
0: Did you did did you get good at football? No, no. Your best season well, yeah, last season, yeah. real so quickly. Yeah, because you know, all, all, the whole world now is looking at Jude Bellingham, going, "Bloody hell, how did he get so good so quick?" You know, he didn't get so good so quick. It's just people seeing it. He did not get good.
1: No, still, quick. he did get good quick. No, he didn't. To get no. that good. Uh, a lot that... of
0: years, a lot of no, years yeah, a lot of years. It out.
1: But to get that good in 19 years is fucking tough. Well, I mean, Andrew Tate was
0: prepared to do what others were not prepared to do in order to be successful, yeah. which is to be wildly polarizing and controversial. Andrew Tate figured out a way to get thousands of people to produce content for him so he could dominate social media. He figured out the algorithms and he had a very specific and clear plan to do it. And it didn't happen overnight and it built up over many years of momentum.
1: Do you know why I said that so quickly? Is because in my head he's a, he was an athlete and, a, and I know usually as an athlete, when you are an athlete, a professional athlete, you're just like boxed in, your tunnel vision just uh, just uh, my career, this, 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 nothing else. No business, no sales, no nothing whatsoever. And then obviously he finished at like, I don't know, 30 or 32 or whatever. He's like 36 now. So for me, in my head, naturally I just thought, oh, he's built up in them in four years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like everything I'm learning, I'm learning so much now. Everything I've learned business-wise and even things outside, just life skills, would have been when I chose to go down the business route. Mm. Before then, obviously I had the raw skills like just determination and hard work all that already obviously built up but for me it was just football 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 nothing else i battered away everything else so that's why i naturally just said oh so quick yeah so i am surprised just you know what i mean surprised at what he's done knowing he was an athlete and he probably would have just got 100 percent focus into just his career well
0: there's certain other elements to his success so number one is timing mm. and timing can be well executed or it can be lucky number two is fortune Um, because something could happen to him just as he was rising up that could have stopped it all. So there's an element of fortune, there's an element of timing, and there's also an element of who you are and what the world needs. So one of the reasons Andrew Tate's become so popular is because he's very masculine in a time where masculinity is being challenged. Whereas if Andrew Tate had been doing his content in World War II, no one would have given a fuck. Yeah, yeah. Because it was just like... (laughs) get in the trenches and fight. So there's all those other elements. But as far as I'm concerned, when someone's wildly successful at at anything, I tip my hat, I figure out what they've done. And all right, a a lot of it might have been circumstance and timing and everything else, but there was still lots of factors executed. Um, You know, when the cameras went off, when we were with him, he said he spent a lot of time figuring out what works on social media and he executed a clear plan. And he says he gets metrics on all of his social media every day so every day there's a new report on all the media and all the coverage and he's tracking it and he's measuring it and he's focusing in on it
1: yeah yeah it's amazing um if i if i had a will i had to spin a wheel and it had loads of different industries of business just complete random ones and you had to take a company in that industry to a billion and you can choose one person that you've had on this show as a business partner, who would you pick?
0: I'd pick Andrew Tate as a business partner. Would you? And the industry would be?
1: No, you can't choose the industry. Okay, you can choose it, but you couldn't choose the industry. It's just okay. going to be random. So yeah. you don't know what it's going to be. But oh, you going okay. to show Andrew Tate, though?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of billionaires, but a lot of them are in retail and older school business models. Yeah. Whereas, um, I, I think you're going to see content creators hitting that, um, maybe not billion revenue, but billion valuation, um, yeah. and, he he wants it big enough and bad enough. So yeah, that's a, that was an easy one.
1: Mm. Yeah. Uh, which era of life would you say is the biggest struggle for you? Like a lack.
0: Um, my relationship with food. Food. Yeah. So, um, just like my relationship with sex, I have a a high addiction <laughs> and love of food, and I could eat. I I could be a professional eater if that was a thing. <laughs> to um, be fair,
1: within five minutes of me coming in here, you did say dinner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, But I have this fucked up relationship where I love food so much that I want to eat it. And then when I eat it, I feel a lot of guilt and shame because I used to be fat. Wow. So I'm always battling with food.
1: Would you say whether well, that's like a discipline problem or...
0: Oh, I, I've been ripped loads of times. I used to do a lot of martial arts. I've had a six pack. I've never been big. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever get big because the problem is I don't eat enough food to get big. Mm. Um, so it's complicated because a lot of it is based on my emotions not really on food itself cuz i'm a disciplined guy but yeah there's a lot of emotion around food which makes it difficult for me
1: right okay cool yeah is that tank solvable you think
0: yeah you can... yeah i mean every day i get up every day and it's like right i'm going to eat really well today and yeah the thing is i'm not overweight that's obvious um, but I have this like range, so I'm about 86 kilos right now. The heaviest I've been is 90 and the lightest I've been is 76. And my optimum is probably about 81. And so once I start getting above the optimum, I just start hating myself more and 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 more. And then I get to a certain point, like 90, I'd hate myself so much. I just fucking eat nothing for weeks, and I just right. lose ten kilos. I'm not quite at the that at the moment, God, yeah. um, and I don't think I've got maybe the best self-image of my how I look because of that. But that was all from when I was a fat kid. So, so many things happened which just caused me immense shame. Cool. Um, yeah. What's the number one problem
1: that money brings?
0: Tax. Tax i pay millions in tax and I fucking hate it. <laughs> because you fuckers in the government are wasting it. If you invested it well and our NHS was sorted and the ambulance service was doing all right and you didn't lock us down a load of times and waste half a fucking trillion, fair enough. Take my tax. Yeah. But people don't realise now they're taxed about two thirds of what they earn and yeah. what they buy. Well, and it you might like, be more.
1: You feel like you get taxed like 70, yeah. 70.
0: All in with what I earn and what yeah. I buy, about 70%. So, I mean, with Would my you move?
1: I heard you speak about it a few times. Would you move? Countries? I can't
0: remember if we were on camera or off when we were talking, but my parents live here and my wife's parents live here. And until they're gone, I'm not going anywhere.
1: Even if the tax got crazy? Oh, yes, your parents is going Well, place. yeah, it's my
0: parents, yeah. but, I mean, if the tax got crazy... I'd try my best to figure out a way to find some ways to get it down.
1: Yeah. There's always ways, right?
0: There, there is always ways. They have to give some incentives. And the entrepreneurs are the ones that get the incentives. And a lot of people who are employed think that's not fair, but the entrepreneurs take the risks yeah, yeah, so they get the rewards. So, but yeah, if it got to a certain point, yes, I would leave. However, it is not the utopic panacea fantasy going to somewhere like Dubai. Oh, Dubai, don't pay any tax. Yeah, but everything's twice as fucking expensive. <laughs> yeah. And in summer, it's so fucking hot, you wouldn't even leave the house. There's a lot of downsides. Yeah. So I actually, the, as much as I bitch about our country, you know, the legal system's really good. Security's really good. There's a lot of good things in our country. But with a lot of money brings a lot of problems. So Raheem Sterling just had to go back from the World mm. Cup because his fucking house with his children, I think he's got three kids, got burgled so you have burglary you have security you have insurance you have all of these issues when you have real money not just a little bit of money Mm. but the biggest problem is tax because it's 70% of your money so actually a lot of people don't realize what their biggest business expense is they say on staff or you know whatever overhead no tax is your biggest expense there's nothing wrong with getting your tax down some people say oh well you should you should be proud to pay tax I'm proud to pay a reasonable amount of tax if it's spent and invested well. I'm paying a hideously high amount of tax and most of it has been wasted. So I'd rather use it myself.
1: Mm -hmm. Got you. Uh, You might have just answered this question in the last one. You could change one thing in the world, what would it be?
0: The biggest thing I think is wrong with the world is that people judge others without first taking considerable time to understand them. Second is tax but first is that all hate comes from judging others through your own hurt and your own jealousy, shame and if you took time to understand their model of the world and their experience you'd have better relations with people and that's the one thing in the world cuz poverty is going to get better wars are going to get better mm-hmm. everything's going to get better on that i'll give you a couple of examples we are thrown propaganda in the media which is brainwashing us to think that china the east is bad but they work fucking hard over there mm. and you know There's reasons that they support Russia. Of course, we're all indoctrinated to think that that's awful. And if you went over to the East, you'd see the reverse propaganda the other way with everything that's wrong with the West. But there's a lot wrong with the West. Yeah. And I did this live, it's just had a million views, so it's gone viral, about Qatar and the World Cup. And I just basically said, um, what right have you got to bring your beliefs around sexuality and alcohol to someone else's country. Mm. And, you know, the footballers protesting, covering their mouths and wearing their bands, you're a footballer. Now, if someone comes into your house projecting their beliefs and values, kick them the fuck out of your house. Yeah. But you go to their country, you respect their culture. By the way, you don't have to agree with it. Mm -hmm. And fair enough to disagree with it. But at first I thought, a World Cup, no alcohol in the stadiums, that's not great for the travelling fans. But then I thought, actually, that's where all the fucking violence probably comes from, drunk fans. And you give England fans a load of booze in any country, they're not going to represent us very well at (laughs) all. So maybe that's a good thing. So if we treated everyone else to understand their culture and their faith and their life
1: before we went, I fucking hate you and this is wrong.
0: Fucking hell, the world would be immeasurably different.
1: Yeah, 100%. How much is wealthy to you?
0: 20 million is enough that you can live on it for the rest of your life and have a really fucking good life and have nice cars and nice houses and nice watches and nice life and children in private school and blah, blah, blah. Because I've measured it. Actually, 10 million is enough for most. I went on a live and said a million is not much money. And I got quite a lot of hate. That's disrespectful. Oh, that's and facts. some million, you know, some millionaire would say that that could go a long way in insert X country. Yeah, OK. Well, you know, factor in your own country, not the other side of the world, because a million is worth a different amount in different countries with different yeah, inflation yeah. levels. But just in my country, a million with 14 and a half percent inflation and 70 percent tax, that's fuck all. Mm-hmm. And I know because I got my first million and thought I'd be made for life and I wasn't made for life. Yeah. 10 million, earning 6% on that, 600 grand a year. You invest the 10 million well, you get 600 grand a year income. You're taxed 70% on that. You can still live on 200 grand a year. So 10 million's enough to live a good life. 20 million's enough to give a, live a really good life. But I never stopped and I won't stop.
1: Yeah. So tw- 20 to a point where that's when you can experience everything. in terms Well, of- I mean, you can't buy a private jet. But, a I mean, big private jet yeah but you
0: could charter chart yeah, one every now and again um and you could get a few nice cars and you could travel yeah, six yeah. times yeah. a year and you could live really well on that yeah um once you get to 20 million getting to 50 it's n- most instances not super difficult yeah so why would you stop?
1: yeah but it's just in terms of like going from zero to ten obviously crazy difference 10 to 20 crazy difference 20 and above is there not that many more levels that
0: zero to one hardest one to one to five or one to ten considerably easier and 10 to 20 easier still yeah yeah but um 10 to 10 to 20 depends on your business for many of people 10 to 20 is just another two or three years in the same business so it depends on your business
1: yeah
0: but um the first is always the hardest. So when you make your first meal, you're well on your way to making your 10th and your 20th and your 50th, because what you learn to make a meal, you'll carry forward in making a lot more. And yeah. you've, you've planted all the seeds.
1: Yeah, yeah. Last one, what's your core philosophy for life and entrepreneurship?
0: Be disruptive, have fun, be valuable, and give zero fucks what the haters think about you.
1: That's it, Rob Moore, disruptive. Thanks so much, man. Boom. Love that.